This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Have you ever heard the expression, it doesn't translate, when referring to a foreign word, phrase, or concept? We rely on experts in the media to give us proper interpretations when they make such references. But often, the media simply gets it wrong. This is increasingly the case when dealing with the Arabic language. We have been told from President George Bush and others that the word Islam is Arabic for peace. But that's not true. It actually means submission. What other terms and concepts are mistranslated or misdefined for us? I asked this question of Dr. Timothy Furnish, an expert in Islamic history who's also fluent in the Arabic language, who is my guest today on World Lutheran News Digest. And now today's Fast Track. I'm Sarah Golseth with news in brief of interest to Lutherans worldwide. Legislation that would make New Jersey the sixth state to legalize physician-assisted suicide moved forward in the New Jersey legislature. The assembly voted 41 to 28 to approve an aid in dying bill that would allow some state residents with a terminal illness to request a prescription that would end their lives. Five states, California, Montana, Oregon, Vermont, and Washington, have laws permitting terminally ill patients to end their own lives. For New Jersey to join them, the bill must now pass the Senate and be signed by Governor Chris Christie, who voiced opposition to a similar bill passed two years ago. Colorado could also make physician-assisted suicide legal when voters go to the polls next month. Called Proposition 106, the ballot question in Colorado would allow a terminally ill individual to request and self-administer aid in dying medication as a way to end his or her life voluntarily. Whoever seeks assisted suicide would have to have a prognosis to live six months or less. After years of court battles, the Christian-owned bakery Sweet Cakes by Melissa is closing its doors. The Oregon-based company was targeted by LGBT activists when owners Aaron and Melissa Klein said they wouldn't bake a cake for a gay wedding because of their Christian beliefs. The subsequent legal battle crippled the bakery. The clients had been operating out of their home for the last few weeks, but now they've announced on their Facebook page, We have closed sweet cakes. We appreciate everyone's continued prayers and support. The United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization recently passed a resolution that denies any Jewish historic claim to the Temple Mount and surrounding holy sites in Jerusalem. The draft resolution acknowledges Jerusalem to be a holy city for Muslims, Christians, and Jewish people, but states that the Temple Mount, the site of Jewish temples mentioned in scripture, is sacred only to Muslims. The resolution was approved by 24 members of the 58-member organization. 26 countries abstained from voting, while only six countries voted against it. World Lutheran News Digest will be back right after these messages. Hi, I'm Pastor Ted Lesh, pastor at Chapel of the Cross Lutheran Church in North St. Louis County inviting you to listen to our KFUO radio worship broadcasts on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. Active worship, preaching, music, and singing are part of every one of our services at chapel. Join us Sunday nights at 6. It's one more broadcast worship opportunity for you from your friends at Chapel of the Cross and KFUO Radio. 
Facebook is one of the biggest social media instruments for checking out what is going on with Worldwide KFUO. On our Facebook page, facebook.com slash KFUO radio, you'll see us posting pictures, online videos, show information, as well as reviews and previews of events at KFUO. Worldwide KFUO, we are where you are. On Facebook at facebook.com slash KFUO radio. The worldwide leader of confessional Lutheranism, Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. Cross Defense, the apologetic show for inquiring minds of all ages. Cross Defense airs Mondays from 2 to 3 p.m. On air, online, on demand, right here on Worldwide KFUO. I'm Mark Hawkinson, host of Jubilation on Worldwide KFUO. Coming up this Sunday from 1 to 4 p.m., I'm going to be sharing not only great Christ-centered hymns and songs, I'm going to be also providing various scriptures for you all about the subject of a real hope. See, when yours is centered in Jesus totally, then you have a hope with no minus sign attached to it. So join me Sunday for great music and a hope with no minus sign. That's Jubilation from 1 to 4 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO. Hi, I'm Pastor Matt Youngblood-Clark from Ascension Lutheran in St. Louis. And I am Pastor Jolly John Lekumski from St. Paul's and New Athens and Trinity in Darmstadt, and we welcome you to listen to Wrestling with the Basics. Matt, 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 let go of me, man. No, it's not real wrestling. We're just talking about Bible issues. Oh, 9.05 Saturday mornings, 8.50 a.m. KFUO. World Lutheran News Digest. I'm Kip Allen, host of World Lutheran News Digest. My guest today is Dr. Timothy Furnish, who is an expert in Islam and the Middle Eastern affairs. He's also an Arabic linguist. Dr. Furnish, could you tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure, Kip. I was uh, learned Arabic first in the Army and then went, I actually did a master's at seminary and then went to a PhD at Ohio State. Uh, where I did a PhD in Islamic history and took, shall we say, a lot more Arabic as well as some other Middle East languages. Taught college for a while. I've consulted to the military, specifically to Special Operations Command, for about five years. And I've also been doing writing and lecturing. There is a website I visit frequently called the Middle East Media Research Institute, and what they do essentially is monitor the Middle Eastern media and then try to translate what is being said in them into English and what is said sometimes amongst themselves is not what they say to us. There is one article in particular that really struck me called Lost in Translation in the U.S. Media. Some things like Alu Akbar and other, and other phrases that we frequently hear that are being translated or mistranslated into English we see on the news and read in comments every day. As you are familiar with the language, could you expand on this? Right, that was an interesting article, which... Uh... I had not had I had not seen, and you drew my attention to, so I appreciate it. Memory is, uh, by the way, memory is an Israeli outfit. It's a uh, analysis shop, and and uh, as you said, they they peruse the media, particularly the, not only but particularly the Arabic language media. They do also do some stuff in Turkish and some of the Iranian Persian media, which of course are the three major languages of the Middle East: Arabic, Persian, and Turkish, in terms of speakers. And uh, this article is. 
this is the first part of three, as I understood it, uh, and they deal specifically, they deal overall with the issue of, as you said, translating certain terms, particularly into English, and also uh, they're going, that they deal specifically with three terms, and the first one was Allahu Akbar, uh, which is usually translated as God is great, but as memory points out, that's not entirely accurate. And then the next two um, um, versions, or next two um, cycles, are going to do La Ilah Ila Allah, which is Arabic for, it's the, uh, what's called the Shahada, or, uh, you know, sort of profession of faith of Muslims. There, and it's usually translated, there is no God but God. And it goes on, uh, La Ilah Ila Allah, there is no God but God, while Muhammad Rasulullah, and Muhammad is his prophet, which or messenger, actually, it's not prophet, it's messenger. And they're going to deal with that. And then the third one, they said they're going to deal with a term called istishad, which is a verbal noun form. Excuse me. It's, the, it, it, it's usually translated as martyrdom, and it re- usually refers to the uh, jihadist suicide bombers and their activity. So the first one they've done here, uh, you know, that we, as, as you and I have both read now, is the one about dealing with the issue of Allahu Akbar. And so, you know, the, the term Allahu Akbar is usually translated... Uh, God is great, except that, as memory points out, it actually lexically does not mean that's not the actual translation in Arabic. It is Allah is greater, or or uh, you could I guess there's an element of greatest, but it's greater. It's a superlative. Akbar is a superlative. It doesn't simply mean great. It means greater. And it's the, the the article talks about sort of two aspects of that, which you don't really get. You don't really get an understanding of when it's translated as God is great. First of all, it's you know it begs the question: Is is Allah the same God that Jews and Christians worship? And although we know, that, I was just interestingly enough, Kip, I did a class the last two weeks at my church on um, the Nicene Creed and what Muslims don't believe out of that. Uh, an Orthodox friend of mine, Orthodox Christian friend of mine wonderful um, idea he had. I wish I'd thought of it, but he sent me a copy of the Nicene Creed, and he had stricken through, or is it struck through? I always forget. Um, (laughs) He had marked through (laughs) all of the parts of the Nicene Creed that Muslims don't believe, which takes out about, I don't know, 85% of it. Uh, So I did an interesting class. I thought it was interesting. I'm not sure everyone else did, but uh, I did a class last two weeks in my church on, um, on, you know, I talked about the history of the Nicene Creed, which, of course, a lot of people forget is actually the Niceno-Constantinopolitan Creed, but and then and then it, if you look through it and all of the stuff in there that was directed at heresies in the early church, which greatly resemble what Islam believes, if you look at that, it really sort of gives the lie to the idea that we worship the same God. So that was my little sorry circling back to what <laughs> I was trying to say, which is that I, I honestly don't think Allah, although Time Magazine and the President of the United States and various other media organs like to tell us that it's the same God. No, Muslims claim it's the same God. But Muslims also claim that they heart Jesus, as per bumper stickers and billboards. But, you know, a, a non-crucified and non-resurrected, non-second person of the Trinity, Jesus, is not the same one we worship. Well, that's part of the thing that's been brought out, is it, with, uh, in Christendom. You know, God is a triune God. There are three distinct mm-hmm. aspects. And this is completely rejected by Islam. Yes, and not just rejected, but uh, the Quran curses those who believe that. So... So we have sort of the same thing going on here with this idea about Allah. The correct translation of that would be that of la ilaha illa Allah, 
would be there is no deity but Allah. Okay, and then the part, then also we have the part about Allahu Akbar, God is greatest, or God is greater. And and the reason it's formulated like that, and by the way, the article points out quite correctly that this is not just something that jihadists like ISIS and al-Qaeda and the Taliban and, and Boko Haram and these guys recite. This is a staple of Islam. This is a staple of mainstream Islamic belief, you know, Allahu Akbar, God is greater. Well, well, or, see, I did it too. I'm so conditioned to do it, I have to stop myself from doing it, Kip. <laughs> Allah is greater. Well, Allah is greater than what? Allah is greater than the the, the gods that Jews and Christians in particular worship, in particular Christians, because um, you look at Islamic history, the main enemy, the main enemy theologically and militarily, politically, that the Muslims were fighting when Islam first came along, and then for the next, you know, millennium or so, the main enemy was, was Christians and, and Christianity, particularly the, the, the Byzantine Empire, although we, they did run up against, you know, Western Christians when, when Muslims invaded into uh, the Iberian Peninsula and the Frankish kingdoms. And by the way, yesterday was the anniversary of them being stopped. That's right. Uh, by Charles Martel. Charles, Charles the Hammer. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Battle of Tours. Exactly. The main, uh, but the main enemy on the battlefield, the main enemy in the world that, that held back Islam as, as Muslims saw it was Christianity. Uh, and this is also, and this was again not just military and political, but but theological. So, so by by asserting that Allah is greater, you're asserting that Allah is greater than, you know, the versions of Him that Jews and particularly Christians believe in. Well, it's so, a supremacist saying. Mm-hmm. Is, is that is? Am I reading that correctly? It's really a supremacist. Oh is, no, yeah, it's, it's very supremacist. One one might even say triumphalist. Mm. Yes, it's exactly what it is. It, it, it's propaganda. It's religious propaganda. And again, it's uh, it's not. It, it is a. It is part of the mainstream creed of Islam. You know, you often see, you often see. You know, what's called the flag of ISIS, right, Kip? And it's the black flag that has, um, you know, a related idea on it. Well, part of the same idea is La ilaha illallah, or Muhammad Rasulullah. They had the rest of that, and then uh, things like that. But you know. Um, there is no deity but Allah, and Muhammad is his messenger. But this is not this is not the flag that um, I mean ISIS didn't come up with this a couple of years ago. This flag goes back to Abbasid times, seven you know seven fifty A.D. eight hundred A.D. It's been the flag of Islamic. It's been the flag of mainstream, particularly Sunni Muslims, and of the states and empires that purport to be advancing and conquering in the name of Sunni Islam for you know. <laughs> over a millennium. And we have the, uh, there is no God but, but God. It actually is, there is, no, there is no God but Allah. There is no deity but Allah. Allah, yes. yeah. Exactly. Which again is, uh, again, separating it from the mainstream, from the concept of the triune God. Yes. Yes, that is very much, I think, part of what is going on there. The other phrase here, uh, and correct me my, my pronunciation, please, Ishtahad, I believe. Sometimes it's translated as martyr, but again, uh, the article, from memory, points out that the concept of martyrdom is very different in the Western world as opposed to the Middle Eastern world. The Christian, for example, a Christian martyr is someone who has died for his faith, but not killed for it. Right. Where the Islamic Muslim, uh, Muslim is someone, uh, the Islam, pardon me, the Islamic uh, martyr is someone who has killed as many enemies as possible at the cost of his own life. He has killed for his God. Right. Profound difference, yes, and this has been a 
bugaboo of mine for years, but, you know, it's like uh, shoveling against the tide to try to get the media to, to, to correct this error, uh, as well as uh, not, not one of our topics today, but, you know, the whole idea of radical Islam, where, of course, Swayze Jihad is not radical at all. It's quite mainstream. But, uh, yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, and, again, it's, it's because I think a lot of it is just because Western journalists and even a lot of Western analysts are just lazy, and they will just uh, look. It's a human tendency to operate from the frame of reference that we know, of course, and we all do this. So, you know, you, you'll say, "Well, they're a martyr." Well, the Christian martyrs. And I was just lecturing uh, last week. I'm teach, teaching at a local college this year, lecturing on how the Roman Empire became Christian, and you know, there were various and sundry elements to the empire becoming Christian. Uh, but one of them, of course, was the example, as Rodney Stark points out in his books, was the example that Christians, of, of Christians who died in the arena, you know, being chewed up by animals and being killed horrible ways, being set on fire, things like that by Nero. And not of all, I'm sure not all of them died, you know, as beatific saints, but enough of them did. They died praying for their enemies. Uh, that, that, that it was a, it made a profound impression even on the Romans who thought the Christians were a bunch of you know crazy people. So that, yeah, exactly as you said, it's it, the Christian idea of martyr, martyrian, you know the Greek word, which passes into Latin and then into English, means someone who dies for their faith. It doesn't mean someone who kills for their faith, and then you know, who or who kills for the faith and dies at the same time by exploding themselves. But this is the word that people latched on to. And uh, I don't know if you noticed, but in the footnote to that article, to that memory article, it mentioned that in the Italian press, and I don't know Italian, so of course never would have caught this, but in the Italian press, they refer to these people, they refer to Islamic jihadists who blow themselves up or kill themselves to kill people as kamikaze. They, 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 they take the term, of course, from what the, Jap, the Japanese, uh, you know, suicide pilots of World War II did and apply it to... to, to, to uh, a Muslim terrorist, basically. I, I don't know if it's because they don't want to. They don't want to use an Islamic term, but you know, it's part of this whole thing, as I alluded to a moment ago, Kip. Of, I, I think the most accurate way to describe someone is probably the way they describe themselves. So this is why I think probably the best way, to, best thing to call Islamic terrorists is just jihadists. Except, of course, we have an administration that has decided that for some reason it has to apologize and and um, explain away, uh, apologize for and explain away the problematic issues and aspects of Islam. And so, although people who do this call themselves jihadists, we can't use that term. So I, this is part of this phenomenon. Phenomenon. I mean, part of it is ignorance, part of it is laziness, and part of it, I think, among some in the media. Uh, is is really an attempt to whitewash what's really going on. Well, this is this is another question that I wanted to raise. I mean, for example, even the name Islam, I think, is mistranslated. People saying, "Oh, it's the religion of peace." It means peace. Well, it doesn't mean that. It means submit. It means submission. Exactly. And to, to be to 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 be to become a Muslim is to submit to Allah and to the belief that, as we said earlier, there is no deity but him, and Muhammad is his messenger. You submit to that. It's not peace. I mean, the, 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 verbal, the verb in Arabic has as, as its root meaning, one of its root meanings, the word peace. But this is not what actually Islam means, as you just said, yes. And uh, 
they also divide the, the, the uh, Dar es Salaam, the, the, the land of peace as opposed to the land of war, which is all they, – they literally regard themselves as being at war with the entire non-Islamic world. Until it is either brought under the control of the Dar al-Harb or it submits voluntarily, you know, either through conquest or through submission or conversion. Right. The classical formulation going way back in Islamic history, again, a millennium or so, is the Dar al-Harb, the world or aboard, abode – the lands of Islam, if you will, Darul Islam and Darul Harb, literally the world or abode of war. So it, you're either one or the other. As I always used to say, long before George Bush said, shortly after 9-11, you're either before us or against us, that was a key component of Islamic thinking. Is it still? It still is among many, yes, indeed. Well, this, this, again, brings up another question. As we're seeing here, there's many, many misconceptions and mistranslations. How much of this is cultural? How much of this, as you pointed out, may be laziness? How much is intentional? Uh, personally, I, I tend not to attribute to conspiracy what it can contribute to laziness and incompetence, but I yes, wonder. You're never wrong in attributing things to laziness and incompetence, especially when you're dealing with the press. But <laughs> I, I think, you know, increasingly... Especially since 9-11, when, when Americans have been exposed to much more factual data uh, about Islam and about, well, about Islam in particular, uh, I think it's increasingly the latter. I honestly think it's increasingly an attempt by many in the media to do this intentionally. I mean, in some organs, some organs are just kind of upfront about it. I mean, the BBC is one of the worst. But, I mean, it was a year or two ago, someone had gotten their hands on sort of, I think it was an internal memo from AP or Reuters or someone. I don't remember exactly, Kip. I'd have to go back and look at it. But it was one of the major media uh, purveyors of, of news, and it was AP or Reuters, if I can remember correctly, who had put out rules for some of their, for their, for people that wanted to write for them. And there were rules like, you know, don't use the word Islamic terrorist. You know, don't use the word jihadist. You know, don't, don't do things that associate Islam with terrorism. And, of course, when you're doing that, you're no longer reporting on the news. You're shaping the news. Absolutely. And this is part of this whole thing here. Yes, yes a lot of it is that there are very few. I mean, I, I just shudder every time I see horrible transliterations. And, you know, for your listeners who don't know, translation is when you take the meaning from one word into an, one language into another. Transliteration, as you know from having studied Russian, is when you take the sounds of the language and change them into another. So, you know, proper transliteration of, say, you know, like the, the name Muhammad. Okay. Actually, the name Muhammad has a sound in the middle, which we don't – sort of the closest analog to that is an H. But like proper transliteration, for instance, in, in, um, into English would be there, – there, there are two different H's that we use, and one of them has a dot under it, and it's a more breathy H, that sort of thing. Um, that does sound – yeah, well, no, that's a different. Ha, ha is a different yeah. letter. Uh, I was thinking like with Kai, and, or, or there is a in Russian. So, uh-huh. Well, it's not like, for instance, you know people say Ahmed. It's not Ahmed. It's Ahmed. Uh-huh. Um, there's another letter, ha, like the end of, like, Johann Sebastian Bach. It's like that, yeah. the H thing. Anyway, it was a bit too much on transliteration, but, but journalists often will, will just hardly mangle transliteration, turning a, an Arabic name uh, in particular into a Western into into English or, or or French or something, so and and that's just and that's not nearly as important. And when you get to the issue of the meaning, um, there there are very few journalists. There are some, but there are few journal, very few journalists and analysts and commentators who know any Middle Eastern language. And so, you know, if if they're being told that they basically will default to whom they consider to be an authority, and you know, we 
uh, we uh, what people used to call Orientalists are uh, not in vogue these days because we're considered to be, you know, anti-Islamic or Islamophobic or something. So they'll go and ask, you know, a local sheikh or or some some uh, Islamic news outlet or and and then office and then you know they have a shall we say an axe to grind. They have a vested interest. So the Council on American Islamic Relations is not going to tell you. You know, probably the most honest translation of some of these terms. And so then the ones that are the most anodyne and the most sort of pro-Muslim wind up getting into currency. And uh, I wish there was a way to counter it, although I suppose that memory is one of the groups that is trying this. Yeah, uh, it is. It is. And it does a very good job. But then it gets pilloried, of course, uh, Kip, because it's, you know, God forbid it's an Israeli outlet. So, you know, then right away it's suspect in the eyes of many Many Muslims, and in fact, many on the left for that. Even reason. though they don't, even though they can't contradict the message. No, what they're translating no, is accurate right. from everything they I've been. They can't read Arabic, but they don't trust the memory guys who are fluent in Arabic and can. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Ironic, to say the least. Well, Doctor Furnish, we're uh, running out of time here. I, one thing I did want to do is to let our audience know about your website. Well, listen, let me, can I say this, Kip? Sure. Uh, my website, which has been in arrears, I have to confess, because I have two boys playing football at two different schools this year. Oh, good but, heavens. Um, <laughs> if people would my, go take a look at Amazon.com and take a look with my books over there at my author page, just under my name, Timothy Furnish, that would be a great place to go find my books, for instance. And you have numerous books written. I have four now, three on the Middle East Islam and one on Middle Earth. <laughs> that was the other thing I wanted to bring up. Not only are you an expert in the Middle East and in the Arabic language, you're also an expert in Tolkien. I published a political history of Middle Earth um, back in the spring, and I actually spoke at Dragon Con here in Atlanta. Oh, wow. Uh, over Labor Day. I know, and I, I had a fairly decent audience considering that I was up against William Shatner going on in another part of the building. <laughs> For some reason, people wanted to hear him speak. I don't know why. Yeah. But, uh, yes, and I'm working on another Middle, Middle Earth book called um, A Military History of Middle Earth, which I hope will be out next year. But I do have three, three, I think, pretty good books out on Islam. And, again, if you just go to Amazon and look up my name, I have an author page. Well, Dr. Furnish, thank you so much for helping to clear this up. You're always the man I go to when I, issues like this arise. You're welcome. Thank you. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Saturday at 9.30 a.m. and again on Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. Central Time on Worldwide KFUO Radio. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Saturday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.